0: This bodybuilder may have killed her husband, but was it self-defense? Today I'm talking about Netflix's killer Sally. This is Got Self-Indulgent movie podcast. hello movie friends welcome to scott's off indulgent movie podcast i am scott and today i am talking about the netflix true crime series known as killer sally um it's three solid episodes so i think it's i think it does a very good job and I actually i liked this series a lot more than i thought i would based on just kind of the hook uh, which i'll get to in my introduction but yeah highly recommend it and without further ado let's get started It's sad but true that anything that makes a crime stand out increases the public's interest in the case. For instance, a murder trial involving rival criminals is a lot less likely to get the same level of coverage as the unexpected murder of a suburban housewife, unless said criminals are mafia figures. Bearing that in mind, you might come into Killer Sally believing that you're about to see a wild story about a crazed bodybuilder romance gone wrong. Which is why I was happy that Killer Sally does its very best to unravel that narrative for something more human. On February 14th, 1995, Sally McNeil fatally shot her husband Ray McNeil in what she claimed was self-defense. Starting with Sally and Ray's first meeting through Sally's eventual trial for McNeil's murder, the series pieces together what drove Sally to use lethal force against her husband. Killer Sally is an example of how to take a salacious story and give it all of the necessary context. Is the hook about a murder trial between a bodybuilding couple? Yes. But that's the introduction for a story about bodybuilding, abuse, and a criminal justice system. So here's what stands out. First, it explains bodybuilding from all sides. From the outside looking in, bodybuilding looks, well, out of this world. What makes people go into bodybuilding? How do you judge a competition? How do you prepare? How do you make money? There's a lot that the average person may not know. Killer Sally does an excellent job of answering all of these questions without judgment. Even unsavory aspects of the sport, like steroid use, are given context, aka people paying big money to see physical freaks do not care if the people involved are using performance-enhancing drugs. You also hear from Sally about what she enjoyed about competition, how Rey prepared, and how they did or didn't make money from it. Like a lot of individual sports of its ilk, it involves complete dedication that can have very detrimental trade-offs in time, money, and your personal life. The series also unpacks the myth of the perfect victim. Structurally, Killer Sally does something very clever. First, it presents Sally's side of the story. Ray was an abusive partner who physically assaulted Sally and their kids, sexually assaulted Sally on numerous occasions, and was a serial cheater throughout their marriage. It's a grim picture that is backed up by accounts from Sally's kids. Then the series introduces the seed of doubt that carried into Sally's trial, Sally's faults. In the second episode, the audience starts to hear about how Sally was confrontational with other women who slept with Ray or parents of children who disrespected her own. Ray's friends talk about her hair-trigger temper and the messed up things she would say or indicate that the relationship was mutually toxic, which seems to be the case. And this is where the series digs its teeth in. To emphasize that no victim is perfect. Yes, Sally is muscular for women, but she's also not a large woman, and pale in comparison to Ray's size and strength. This is cleverly highlighted by showing Sally attempting to pull Ray at one point. Nor does her public messiness mean that she was incapable of feeling scared of her husband at home. It's a rough reminder that no victim of domestic violence is perfect. It's also a scathing indictment of the media and criminal justice system. Another point the series is trying to make is how the media and justice system did exactly what you'd expect this series to do. The media in particular played up every image they could find of Sally flexing or wrestling men in paid and heavily staged videos to make her seem like an unstoppable force. Meanwhile, the prosecution seemed to completely ignore the notion that Sally may have been acting in self-defense because one or two pieces of her story weren't 100% right. Which is a fair critique. But it's also easy to argue that someone going through a traumatic event might not remember the exact room and location everything happened or every single detail properly. This is especially egregious coming from a prosecutor whose entire job was to prosecute domestic violence incidents, and seemingly ignored reactions from the children, a woman who says she was abused, and beyond. I've talked a fair amount about how the criminal justice system is often about perception or biases or flawed people acting on their first instincts, and this series is just another perfect example of that. In conclusion, it's heartbreaking and human. Respectful and insightful, Killer Sally offers a tabloid avoids a tabloid approach, but to an eye-catching murder case to probe bigger questions. Eight out of ten. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.